Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. I've grown to love uh, that song. The first time I heard it was last uh, Sunday uh, as we just worshiped together and, and just encouraged my heart so much. And as we jump into God's Word today, I'm just encouraged uh, by the words of that song that we might find our worth and our value. The world, uh, the world says you can find your worth and value in the things that you own, in the toys that you have, in the treasures that you uh, may uh, pursue, but we're going to see that Peter wants us to understand that we find our worthiness and our value in who we are in Christ and what He is doing uh, in and through us, and so we are Excited to jump into God's Word today. We're going to be in 1 Peter uh, chapter number 2. We've been walking verse by verse through the book of 1 Peter, and we're going to be uh, looking at verse 11 and 12 today if you want to take your copy of God's Word and, uh, and turn there and just encouraged uh, as we gather together. There's a, a special guest, uh, actually a special uh, couple that's here this morning that I just want to recognize, and I want to ask uh, Keith to come and, and pray for us this morning, but Keith and Trish Tully are here, and they are missionaries from Family Life, and uh, over the past few years, many of you know that Heart for Families was birthed in our community, and it came out of uh, Bruce and Carla Ferguson and their vision and heart for uh, just coming alongside family, uh, their heart for marriage, their heart for um, just the gospel and how it intersects uh, in marriage. And as we uh, had just walked uh, toward kind of figuring out what God was doing in our community and where we were at, Keith came alongside us, and every time uh, I've been around him and Trish, uh, just been overwhelmingly encouraged. There's been moments where you get weary, uh, moments where you feel like, you know, even as we were looking toward things that we were doing with Heart for Families, there were moments we felt like, you know what, uh, we just need to, ready to give up, um, just ready to kind of say, you know, where are you going, Lord? And it would be in those moments that all of a sudden you'd get a call from Keith Tully, uh, we, were, we put on a big marriage event at the Smoky Mountain Center, and I, I learned something about Keith. He's kind of a walking prayer. So, like, as you walk around, he'd say, hey, how are you doing? And he'd say, hey, good, how are you? I'm, sometimes the next thing you know, he would be praying with those uh, folks. And uh, just has been a light and a witness to, to me and my heart. And you, you can share anything you want to, Keith. I know I'll put you on the spot. But I told him when I saw him here, it's one of those days you feel like you ought to just say, hey, come preach, you know, because he just is such an encourager. But... Um, like most of you guys, and I just couldn't wait to get here to hear Jason preach. Are you guys like that? Are you wondering, are you wondering what he's going to say today? Like, you know he's going to say something that you don't yeah, expect? Really uh, so, that, so that's what I was expecting, yeah. and then his face pops up on the screen, and I'm like, yes, I knew Jason would do something like that. Yeah. So there's a verse in Proverbs that says, like cold water to a weary traveler is good news from a distant land. Mm-hmm. And you guys are like cold water to my soul. I, I follow Cowie on Instagram and Cowie students, and I just have such joy in your heart for the gospel. You are a missional church, and you are going after the kingdom of God. You're asking God to bring heaven to earth. And Trish and I are in Arkansas, and we're like a cheering squad for Cowie Baptist in Arkansas. I mean, we're just rejoicing and praying for you and believing God with you that he's going to give you territory. 
when you have baptisms, I shout. I go, hey, Trish, Cowie had more baptisms. Um, Jason often reminds me, I was in Thessalonians real recently, and I hit this verse where Paul said to them, he said, "Um, I delight in you so much that I did not only give you the gospel of God, but I gave you myself, myself as well. And I, I believe when I saw that, I, was, I thought of Jason and I thought of a couple of other people, uh, someone who gives not just the gospel of God, but gives himself. So just have great honor for you in the way you're leading here. So if it's okay, can I pray for you guys and that God would just fuel you with the power of the Holy Spirit as you live your lives for your king and bring heaven to earth in this place. So Father, we just, Lord, we are so honored that you have um, called us your own, that you have made us your sons and daughters and adopted us. Um, Lord, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. And we love you and we praise you. Um, and we, we honor you. And Lord, we're, we're overjoyed that you've allowed us to be part of giving Jesus away, that we get to be part of giving people the greatest thing they will ever find. And so, Father, I just ask that you would fill your sons and daughters here with the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill them with the Holy Spirit that they can love their family, love their husbands and wives, love their children, love their parents, that they can love with the love of God. And Lord, not just love each other, but those around them. Increase it more and more by the power of your Holy Spirit. You have shed the love of God abroad in their hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, may they be so infused with you that it just flows from within them like streams of willowing water. And we ask you to bring heaven to earth. We ask you to bless them and increase their territory. Um, Lord, bring people to them. Bring the broken ones. And may they love them with the love of God. So we just believe you. We believe you. I thank you for what you're going to do here through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brother. So encouraged by even just the words of the prayer, the verse that I prayed, and how God knits everything together in such a beautiful way through his people, and you're going to see that as we walk through these scriptures today, but in the summer of 1805, a number of Indian chiefs and warriors, they met in this council, and they met there at Buffalo Creek, New York, to hear a presentation of a Christian message by a Mr. Cram, who was from the Boston Missionary Society, and uh, and in this time there was uh, this sermon that was declared, and there was an Indian chief, one of the great chiefs, his name was Red Jacket, they had some cool names uh, for sure, and among other things, this Indian chief responded in this way, he said this, brother, we are told that you have been preaching to the white people in this place. And he said, these people, they are our neighbors. He said, we are acquainted with them. And he said, we'll wait a little while and see what effect your preaching has on them. And if we find it does them good, makes them honest and less disposed to cheat Indians, we will then consider again what you have just The reality is that every one of us in this room uh, has someone that is watching us. Hope, did you find my little box there? 
Mom's looking. Yeah, I, I see my boxes I'm looking for. I, I'm kind of forgetful. I had some popcorn that I was wanting to have uh, available, so um, it's imaginary, so it won't smell. But yeah, it'll make me look better, and y'all more hungry. So there, there's a reality that there are people that are watching us, and I believe as we declare the good news of the gospel, as we uh, share who Jesus is, that there are people that God has allowed to be in your life and my life to, uh, to see the difference that a relationship with Jesus makes. Now today in, in 1 Peter, we're going to see there's a battle that's raging. And you know, as we look in our culture, there's all kind of battles that we see going on. There's all kind of things that we uh, think about. But I want to share that the most important battle that is waging is a battle that many of us may not even recognize is going on. There's a battle uh, that is raging. Many times I say there's a battle raging for the hearts and minds of our young people. Keith and Trish would tell you that there's a battle raging for the family. There, Satan is attacking family and dividing family. And, and I've heard Tony Evans say, whoever owns the family owns the future. There's a battle raging. And in all of those battles, I want you to see today that there's another battle that's going on. And this battle that is going on is the battle that is behind every conflict. It is the battle that is behind every other battle that we may be facing. And this war, it is a hidden war, but it is a battle that we must recognize and that we must engage. And so we've been walking through First Peter last week. We uh, were in verse 9 and 10 uh, toward the end of the, the sermon, and we saw, that, that we saw this picture where Peter says that you are a uh, royal priesthood. He said, you are the people of God. He said, you once were not a people, but now you are a people. You once had not experienced his mercy, but now you have experienced his mercy. He says, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belong to him, a people that belong to him and have a purpose, right, so that we may proclaim him. So we're this royal priesthood, but we find ourselves in a royally sinful world, right? We find ourselves in a mess. And the truth is, we are his representatives here. We're the people that are to bring that water right from a distant land. We're to be his representatives here. And I wonder how well are we representing him. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, and we're going to jump in. Scripture says this, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So we read these words and he says, Beloved, beloved. Now, that's probably not a word that any... Has anybody used that word today? Like, anybody use that on the way to church? Like, beloved, right? A lot of times we don't use that word very often, and I'm kind of learning that there's some words. I've been blessed with some younger people on staff here at church, and sometimes they'll help me understand that some of the words are not words that people use anymore. I've also been blessed with a teenager, um, and, and they can help me sometimes. Like, and, and, and even my one that's almost a teenager, I'll say something sometimes. Like when I was growing up, we'd say, man, that's tight. That's, people don't say that anymore, right? No, immediately the front row says no. Yeah, I'd say, man, that's tight, right? That's, that's, it means like it was well put together. It's good. It's like built good. And then we're like, nobody says that, Dad. 
And so I've been kind of learning. And, and the good news, I'm seeing people point at their teenagers all over the room. And so there's good news. You know, we, I'm trying to learn some of those words. And, and thankfully, I have Kelly and I have Clark on staff, and they can help me with some of those things. One day, uh, we do a daily devotion that's streamed uh, on Facebook and YouTube and some different places. And uh, as we were doing that, one of our uh, staff members, Kelly, was, was uh, sh- uh, sharing that day and, and was reading uh, the passage of Scripture. And, and she used the word fetch. And I said, like, like a fetch? I'm thinking, what is fetch? All the tenders are going, it's good, right? It's cool. Can, can somebody on the front row define fetch? Like, fetch? oh, you're like me, Maddie. She says like a dog. Yeah, that's where I was at. But I figured out that it meant so much more than that. I figured out that it was like good, and, and it was there. And, and there's other words, like lit. I'm learning about that. Like, like oh, man, that's lit. Like, so, I mean, if you want to be cool, if you, you say things like, man, that's lit. That is great. And if it's bad or, or maybe somebody's kind of looking down, I'm trying to learn, like, context of all these things, so I don't always do well, but, but maybe somebody's kind of giving you some grief, and you're like, don't give me no shade. <laughs> give me no shade. I don't want no shade. Don't even do it. Um, evidently, those are words that have some things, and I, I've learned that, like, salty, I, you know, we, we see in Scripture that we're to be salt and light, and I'm figuring out that salty maybe is not a good thing. It's like somebody in a bad mood or, or whatever there, so there's those kind of things. And so, I mean, we've got to learn all those things, but when we read this passage and you read this word, beloved, I want you to see that it's a word that should never get old. And Peter is saying, here's what I want you to do, and he's going to say, he's going to urge them to do something. And the word that's in that verse, he says, he says beloved, I urge you. And this word urge, it's, it's kind of what you would see in Romans 12 too, where he says, I beseech you, and you're trans- some of you may have it worded that way where he says there's this great urgency there's this great picture and he says I urge you brothers to to do something and we're going to see that in the beginning of this he wants them to understand that we are loved by God right if you are in his family you are loved by God you are cherished by him Uh, there's this picture of of that that we've been chosen by God and that we uh, have experienced his great love and he says you are loved and he said because of that because of this great love that you've been shown. He says, I urge you, and we have a duty, right, to walk in this because of the love that we've experienced. Now, a lot of people say, you know what? We experience God's grace, and there's a way that people can can act and live after they uh, call themselves a Christian, and people can have a faulty view of this. And if your view is this way, I would encourage you to examine yourself, as, as the Scripture says, to see whether or not you're of the faith because there's people that say, you know what? I am loved by God. So I will live however I want. But I want to encourage you that if you've experienced God's amazing love and His grace, then instead of saying, you know what, I'll live however I want, then you look and you say, in light of that kind of grace, I will live however He wants. I will do whatever He wants. I will give my life in whatever way He wants. So that is the response to His grace. And Peter he knows the struggle, right? We remember how Peter had denied Jesus. He knows the temptations and things that we face in this world. And, and he says, beloved, he said, beloved, I urge you. And then he says, as aliens and strangers, uh, kind of the same thing that, that 
Keith was praying about in this verse. He said, you are people, right? This word aliens and strangers, and we won't try to get hung up too much in there. But, but the word aliens really means alongside the house. And so there's this picture that we are living as a people, right? For, for this uh, series, we've talked a lot about how we are citizens of the kingdom of God, right? That, that we live. And so here we are, uh, a people, uh, citizens of the kingdom of God. We're Christians who do not belong to this world's systems, who do not belong to this world, but we are living alongside those who do. We are living in a foreign land as exiles, right? We are living uh, in, in a different way, and there's an opposition that we face. There's a temptation for every believer. There's a temptation for every one of us to fit into this world system. There's a temptation that would say, uh, you know what, when you leave this place and you go somewhere else, that you can compromise just a little bit so that at school on Monday you don't look uh, uh, so different, right, that you don't uh, face difficulties. And so we have this picture, and, and I believe what Peter's saying here is that when we have trouble, we're in a place where we're too attached to this world, right? Where we are looking, we're saying, hey, we're too attached to the things that are here. And so he says, brethren, he said, I urge you. He says, beloved, he said, I urge you, right, to to, as aliens and strangers. So he, he reminds us of where our allegiance is. And then he says that there's something that we should do in light of the mercy that we've received, in light of God's grace, that we are to abstain from fleshly lusts that wage war against the soul. So there's this word abstain, and there's this picture. What does that mean to abstain from something? We think immediately of don't do that, but there's also this uh, picture of this word, meaning that we also uh, avoid, we also uh, uh, are away from something. And a lot of times, as followers of Christ, we recognize that there's temptation, that there's uh, things in our flesh that we desire, and we've all experienced those kind of things, and we have the intention of refraining, but many times we don't remove those things, and we find ourselves falling to temptation. Like if I'm trying to eat healthy, if I put 74 Reese cups on my counter at home, there's a portion of the day that I will remain strong, right? But I know the desires that I have. And if I sit there and look at those things long enough, then I'm, I'm probably going to eat a Reese cup. And it's probably going to happen like at nine o'clock at night when I'm tired and when I'm uh, maybe had stressful type things. And so there's this picture that we're to, we're to abstain from these things, but we also have recognized that uh, we are weak in our flesh, right? And we see Uh, This picture, John 15, verse 19, Jesus said, if you were of the world, he said the world would love you. That's, he said, you know, we would, uh, we would see the world love you because the world loves its own. But he said, but because you're not of the world, he said, because you're not of this world, I chose you out of this world. He said, because of that, this world hates you. He said, because of that, this world hates you. We are loved by God. We are loved by him, but we are hated by this world. And so the truth is, it's not easy to abstain from the fleshly lust. It's not easy to do that because the pressure for us, first thing we see, the pressure for us to fit in is so powerful. You know, this world measures success by the things that we own, by the, by the popularity that we have, by the, the fame that we might have. We We find a person's worth is so many times determined in that way by the toys that they have, how much recreation they can do, how many things that they're able to take advantage of by popularity or by status, and the pressure to fit in is so powerful. And many times, God-given desires that are good in our lives, that we, uh, all those things are not inherently bad, but some of those desires that we have for good things can become an idol, and they can become something that we continue to pursue, and, and the pressure 
for us to give in to temptation is so powerful, right? The desire and pressure for us to fit in, it's very powerful. The pressure for us to give in to temptation is very powerful. And we've all experienced the hungering of our flesh, the, the longing for different things, right? And we can desire uh, things that, are, uh, that can become idols. And the truth is that our flesh really never gives up. Galatians 5, and you can turn later and, and look at these, but beginning in about verse 19 through 21, there's a laundry list that Paul gives of these desires of the flesh. He said the works of the flesh are manifest. He said these kind of things are displayed. And you read through that list and you go, man, uh, there are some horrible things uh, in there. And it never gives up. It never uh, gives in. First John 2, verse 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, and, and this is heavy, right, when we read this, if anyone loves the world, the Scripture says that the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life, it says those things are not from the Father, but they're from the world. This world is passing away, and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Right, we face the pressure to fit in. We face the pressure to give in. And we see this boastful pride in our lives so many times, and the pressure to keep it in is so powerful. And what I mean by that, a lot of us in this room, if we were honest, and we wore something on a sign into church today, we would find that every one of us is not there yet. There are things that God is convicting us. We, if you are pursuing a life of holiness like we've been talking about in First Peter, if we're, if we're desiring to live holy lives, if we are trying to walk in that, I can promise you, if you're asking Jesus to reveal those things in your life, you will never get up one day and go, <laughs> I'm there. You're going to get up and you're going to go, man, I've got a long way to go. And these are things that God is working in my life, things that I've got to, 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 to change in order to be conformed to his image. We're going to always have those kind of things. But the problem is, is that many times the people of God desire to look better more than they desire to actually be righteous. They desire to look righteous and to appear that everything's going on. And so we dress up and we say, hey, that my family's good. This is good. That's good. And then when we leave this place, we are much more likely to conform to the things of the world because we want to look like a certain way to them. We're kind of chameleons, right? Whoever we're around in whatever situation we're at, that is how we look. But God uh, desires that we uh, might uh, recognize who we are in Christ, and we recognize that what God's doing in us is not something that, that is uh, distinct from us, but it's already who he's made us in Christ. And positionally, we've been, we've been uh, made right with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And practically, as he's working in our lives, he is daily doing that so that we are conformed to the image of his son. And we come together, and we don't have to put on a face and say everything's perfect in our life. We don't have to come. This should be, see, the reality is that, that Sunday morning, and when we gather in small groups, those should be places that people recognize and know that we're struggling and are praying with us and walking alongside of us so that when we are, are filled together, we, we, we need brothers in Christ around us. D.L. Moody said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than any man I know. And I want you to know this morning, I have more trouble with Jason Smith than any man I know. I have more trouble with him than anybody I know. And I recognize that I need brothers like Keith Tully who, who are sensitive to the Spirit that would say, when I'm struggling, that would come alongside me and pray and encourage me and, and not condemn me and, and look and say, hey, I want to walk alongside you, but I need a community around me. But the 
biggest thing that I need is Jesus. The biggest thing that I need in my life every day is Jesus. And when I get up in the morning and I say, you know what, I'm going to start my day in whatever way uh, that I want to. I'm going to do my own thing. We, we communicate by our actions whether or not we're desperate for him, whether or not we truly need him. And our lives should declare, I need Jesus, right? Everything daily, I need to get up and pursue Christ in my day and say, God, the only way that I'm going to walk in the midst of this world, the only way that I'm going to reflect your image, God, is if you're living uh, your life in and through me, right? The only way that I'm going to do that is as Jesus lives through me, and I'm desperate for you. So I want to give you three things that we've got to remember daily if we're going to win this battle. We're going to see these as we walk through. We've seen one uh, already. One, we want to remember who we are, okay? So, so when we get up every day, I want to encourage you, when you get up every day, the world's going to tell you that you're a lot of different things. And we're going to see that even the world's slanders, we can, we can expect to be slandered by this world. We can expect those kind of things. But when we get up every day, we remember who we are, that we are beloved, that we are chosen, that we are strangers and aliens, right? We're going to, number two, remember the war's battleground. We think about uh, all these things that are happening on the outside, and many times it's much easier. I remember, uh, you know, when we think about this, we, we see this that we're to abstain from these fleshly lusts that wage war against the soul there's a battle that is coming against the new heart that we have in Christ as we've been born again and to this living hope this new heart that God creates within the soul of every follower of Jesus Christ there's a battle that is raging against that there's a battle that we are facing and in this passage it says that we are to wage that there's this battle and there's a war that is raging, right? There's a war that is going on. And we think about this war. It's this picture of a long-term military battle. This is not just uh, some one-time uh, event. Okay, we've got this, this battle. There's a daily battle that is warring against our soul. And this, we think about like 9-11, and many of you remember exactly where you were when terrorists flew, buildings, or flew planes into uh, buildings in our country. We remember all of those moments. But I want you to picture this, that, that on the inside, there is a terrorist that is waging war against your very soul, and there's a terrorist that desires, right? It's this picture that's on a mission, not only uh, to destroy uh, you, but to destroy your witness, to destroy your family, to destroy your walk with Christ, and it is an inside job. Many times we miss that but there is a battle that is raging in every believer, and it is one in a couple of different ways that I believe we see in the Scripture. Ephesians 2, we see this picture of who we were, right? He says you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and it, it goes into this picture of, of which you formerly uh, walked, right? It was this, this way that we walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince and power of the air. And he talks about the way we formerly lived in our lust, right? We formerly did those. But that's not who we are. Paul wrote in Galatians 5, he says that if we walk in the Spirit, that we would not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So we win this battle. We, we, we battle and we do this by walking in the Spirit daily. This, this is a picture. We, we've got to be dependent on Christ. He says if you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things you please. Now, he didn't say if we walk in the Spirit that we would never experience any of the desires of the flesh. Has anybody in here made it where you just don't ever experience anything, any temptation, anything? You're like, hey, I'm good. You know, I mean, I kind of pictured like, you know, when I came to Christ, I thought, man, this should get easy, right? Like everything 
But, but that's not what happens, right? We know that. But if we walk in the Spirit, right, if we do that, Scripture says we would not carry out the desire of the flesh. Paul wrote in Romans 7, gives us a great picture of this battle that we rage. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul said, but I discipline my body, right? Uh, some translations say, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a buffet my body. No, it's a buffet. But anyway, that's a whole other translation. But sorry, sometimes I can take some wrong But I discipline my body and I, I make it my slave so that if after I've preached to you, after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So we recognize where this battle is going on. And the thing I want to really focus on this morning, and the thing that I believe uh, Peter is really encouraging us here, is to remember that the world is watching. And so daily, we want to remember that the world is watching. Unbelievers are watching. Look at verse 12 again. He said, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. And that, that word Gentiles is this picture of those uh, that are unsaved, those that are uh, unbelievers, and, and these, these that we are in the world with. And he says, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, that they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So he says, keep your behavior excellent. This word uh, that, that's translated as excellent, it's more than just good. It's this picture of something beautiful. And he's saying that, that we keep our behavior, that the way that you live your life in front of people that don't know Jesus, that it is beautiful, that it is compelling, that the way that, they, uh, that, that you live your life, right, that it, it, it is above reproach, but it is in a way that attracts people to the beauty of the gospel. And it's this picture that we live our life in a way that attracts people to the beauty of the gospel. How do we live with unbelievers? How do we live in this world of unbelievers? How will some of us, some of us will go to restaurants today and we will engage with servers today in restaurants in our community. How is our witness? Some of them will be believers. Some of them will not be believers. What will it look like in our generosity? What will it look like in the way that we uh, the way that we tip them, right? And I always say, if you can't leave a good tip, then you don't need to eat there, right? As followers of Jesus, I, I've heard servers say that on Sunday morning, right, and Sunday afternoon, that the worst day of the week for them is Sunday uh, afternoon because the nastiest people in the world come into that restaurant and they treat them bad and, and, they, and they are demanding and, and they're, man, they're looking more like Jesus than we are as they serve us. And somehow we've got this mentality. Man, it's not a picture of the gospel for us to take a server and when they come by us and we'll say, hey, we're going to measure exactly how good you do today. And if, you're, if you forget something or if my order's messed up by the cook, then I'm going to punish you uh, because of that. But we need to be a people that are walking into restaurants that are saying, hey, I'm coming in here to serve you. And, and by the time that you leave, I want you to know that there's something different. Man, there ought to be Sunday, ought to be the day that, that, that people would say, you know what, I can't wait to get to work because the graciousest people that ever lived are going to walk in to the restaurant when they get through with church, right? Never be a jerk in the midst of that. Don't be hangry, right? That's that lust of the flesh that we're talking about. And, and we, we, when we don't walk in the Spirit, right, this is where we're at. And we need to remember daily, right, that when we walk in there, when you walk in there and you're going to say the blessing for your meal, I want you to remember that you're a representative of the kingdom of God, that you are representing Him and that you're magnifying who Jesus is because the reality is unbelievers are watching. And they're watching. The way we treat the elderly, the way we treat the marginalized, the way we look after uh, people in our community, the way we listen to people, we, we go into to places and we say, how are you doing? And then we talk about ourselves, right? 
<laughs> I mean, that's what we do because we're, we're, we're a self-focused people. That's the problem. See, this, the, the lust of the flesh are desiring to fulfill uh, the, the pleasures and things that we crave, but we are to be a people that are different from this world. And we, we ask people how they're doing, and then listen for a minute. Find out what they uh, are going on in their life. Pray for them. I, every time I've been with Keith Tully, I don't think I've ever been around him with anybody that at some point during that dynamic they were not prayed for. And it challenges me. It makes me say, you know, how many opportunities do I miss the gentleness that we describe, the way our marriage reflects the gospel, the way that we uh, forgive and we restore, the way that we love our spouse, the way that we walk through this life, it proclaims the gospel. Do I live a life? I want all of us to ask that question. Do I live a life that reflects the beauty of the gospel to this world? I mean, can people look at us, right? We saw that we're these living stones. We saw that there's this cornerstone, right? We see Christ who's laid this perfect foundation and lines everything up. When people look at us and see this beautiful stone, right, that, that's been transformed by the grace of God, uh, that, that, that they look and see this, this picture of God's temple, right, that this, this dynamic that Sarah, well, what do they see? I mean, what does our Saturday night look like? Does our Saturday night look like our Sunday morning? Right? Does, does our Monday morning look like Saturday when we find ourselves at work and we're around people that don't know Jesus? Do we find ourselves uh, carrying on and, and, and saying things and, and participating in things that would dishonor our Lord? I promise you, and it may not be the people that you're standing there with, but there are people that are watching. There are people that are sitting back and they're longing to see, hey, you know what? I'm going to see. You've said that there's a gospel, that there's a relationship with Jesus and then having a relationship with Jesus changes everything. And I'm watching your life because I want to see what that change is, right? He says that, that we, in verse 12, he says, we uh, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. So we are even to live a life that reflects the beauty of the gospel when people are talking bad about us. And by the way, we can expect uh, to be slandered in this world. We can expect to be stereotypically put in with this is what a Christian uh, looks like, right? When, when we think about uh, these kind of things, when we, when we look at Jeremiah, as he, uh, as he declared to those that were exiled in Babylon, he said, listen, we want to seek the welfare of the city. We want to be a people who are living in a foreign land, but we're living in a different way, and we're living for the good of the city around us, for the good of the people that are around us. And we see, what I see more than ever is we have these threads on social media, and we have these places that we have platforms to proclaim uh, the good news of the gospel and to proclaim good things. And we get caught up in all kind of things. And I want to show you the meaning that I always see and I put a little video uh, in there and you're going to see I always see a thread and there's people going back and forth and then I always see this video I th hopefully it'll come through um, and the video I'll just give you a picture of it close your eyes and so but the video always has somebody sitting there eating popcorn you, you ever see that right there's a big thread and it's all getting nasty and then there's somebody and they kind of kick back and they're eating popcorn we see that sometimes, right? And, and what I want to remind you is, is that as we are living our life, there is a world, there are many people that are sitting back and they're watching and they're wondering and they're waiting just to see what the gospel has done in our lives, right? These, these people were slandered in Peter's day. They would have been 
excuse against rebelling against the Roman government. They would have been people uh, that, that would have opposed slavery. They didn't worship Caesar. There were all kind of different things. And, and, and by the way, next week we're going to get into uh, just this passage as Peter gives us some instruction in the way that we relate to authority. And some of you may be saying, well, you know what, uh, Peter, Peter didn't know nothing about what kind of like authority maybe or how government is or this. We're going to look at Nero, right? We're going to see uh, just kind of what kind of situations that they were navigating and the things uh, that were there. And, and they're slander today. They call us racist. They call us bigots. They say, you know what, there are uh, people that are against this or against that. And, and, and we find that some of those things, that there's truth in, in some of the comments that are there because we are people that are saying, you know what, our standard is not going to be how somebody feels this day. Our, our basis in the way that we live our life is not based on feeling. The Scripture says there's a way that seems right into a man, but the end there of his death, Jeremiah said that our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We don't base our life on the way that we feel in certain moments. We don't base our life on, on, on feeling, but we base our life and we base everything on what thus saith the Word of God in His infallible, inerrant Word, right? And, and that's the longing that Peter desires that we have. He said, you've got this natural desire for the things of this world and for these fleshly lusts. But he said in the first part of chapter 2, he said, but, but you, like, like infants, right, you're to long for, like they long for milk, that we are to long for His Word, right? That we are a people far from home and we are longing for that message from home and that message from home that God is putting in our hearts to deliver to a lost and dying world and the way that we live and in the way that we walk, right? And they, there's so much, so many that are watching and they've got their popcorn going on. And by the way, there's YouTube and blogs that Christians are following and, and even Christians are calling themselves and all they are, all they are is just a big place that people can come together and slander other people. And we have got to be a people that rise above the things of this world and that we recognize, man, there is a battle at stake and it's in our own heart and lives, but there is also a battle in this world and God assembles us as his people, the beloved, the chosen people of God you once were not a people, but now you are a people. His people, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, that we are to be those kind of people. And he puts us together, and we're not put together on a cruise ship. This is not a cruise ship. This is a battleship for the glory of his name, right? And when he says what's going to happen, and I mean, what's going to happen as we walk in this land? He says that there's going to be a glorifying of God on the day of visitation. And it could be that that refers to the day of judgment. But I believe it is that time when the Holy Spirit convicts the hearts of those people that have been watching us and engaging with us. And they place their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And they understand and they see the good news that is there. God says, and there's glorying in the day of visitation. There's this picture. And it is otherworldly. It is living different to respond in this world with grace. But I want to encourage you that we might be an audiovisual Christian, right? That we would be a person that not only speaks it with our mouth, but that lives it with our lives. And that we might engage this world. See, we are not simply uh, to imitate this world. We definitely don't want to imitate this world. We're to imitate Christ. We don't want to uh, isolate ourselves from this world. Jesus said that we're to go into the world, but not to be part of the world. But we are to be a people that recognize that there's a battle, that there's a mission, that we are in a battle and we are to infiltrate we're to move forward right I, I, I think of the, the book Tally of the Fox and you know we got tons of time y'all are good so we I thought of the book Tally of the Fox we're halfway there hang on so 
I thought of the book, uh, Tally Ho the Fox, right? And, and there's this book that was written, and basically the illustration of this book, uh, and I love it so much, it says that these hound dogs, that, that they are created, right, for a purpose. And if you put these hound dogs in their little cages, and, and they just hang out, that what you're going to find is the laziest animals on earth. They're going to lay in there, uh, they'll lay in the sun, they won't hardly get up, they won't do anything, they'll fight with one another, uh, they get distracted by all the things. You put some food in there, and they will fight uh, each other to the death over that food. But if you get them out and you let a fox come by, I want you to know something changes inside them because it's who they were created for. It's what they were created for. And they will, they will go days running that fox together in a pack. They will go days without eating, without drinking. They will pursue that fox in a way that is crazy uh, in the midst of it. And I want you to know that the church that Jesus Christ has given us, this global mission, and he says that there's a chance that God's people could come together and they could get focused on their own fleshly desires and their own ways and their own things. Then they would become unaffected. But if we can get the mission of Christ in front of us. It says you are his people and you've been here for a mission to go and make disciples and declare the good news of who he is and the way that you live and the way that you talk that it's like that little fox running by and the church then finds its purpose and no longer are we concerned about little things and bickering in between people. No longer do you find Harmony Baptist Church over here and New Harmony Baptist Church over here because somebody didn't like the carpet. I want you to understand something that there's a mission that we are on. There's a battle that we are in and it's time that God's people listen amen you it's time that God's people recognize the mission and, and, they, and they get their eyes off of the things of this world and they chase the fox that's in front of them and they live for the glory of his name because there are people all around and they are sitting back and they are watching. And I want to encourage you to live like you are in a battle. To live like there's a battle every day for your heart, for, for your mind. There's a battle that's for your neighbor and the people that are around you and to live like that. To live as his people, a chosen people, beloved Loved by him. And because of that, man, I don't want to live any way I want. I want to live any way he wants. That's my heart. And it, it starts with us just saying, you know what? In order to do that, I need you, Jesus. That's really the, that's really the call. And, and if you've never trusted Jesus for salvation, it may be uh, that this morning God is speaking to your heart and, and, and the Spirit of God is drawing you. It may be that you uh, recognize that you are far from God, that you're the people that we're really talking about. Maybe you've encountered other believers that have been living uh, just a life that's different. Maybe you've uh, recognized that you need a relationship with Jesus, that you can't do this on your own. That God is convicting your heart that you're separated from him because of your sin and that the reality is that there's nothing good in you. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, scripture says that our righteousness is as filthy rags in our sight, that we don't bring anything to the table, but that Jesus loved us, right? And he loved us so much that he stepped out from the glories of heaven, right? That he took on flesh. He lived a sinless life. God, he died in our place, the cruel death of a cross. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And he offers us forgiveness through his grace. Scripture says that it's not by our works, lest anyone should boast, that, that it is that we're saved by his grace rather than it is his love and his mercy. We repent of our sins. We recognize that we're going the wrong direction. And we say, you know what? I no longer want to live for myself. I no longer uh, want to live for the things of this world. I'm broken and I'm in need of a Savior. I can't save myself, but Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And we, we have a change of mind. It results in a change of direction. And we uh, come to faith in Christ, right? We believe the truth of the gospel, and He changes us from the inside out. Maybe you're here, and you need uh, to just call on Jesus for the first time to say, you know what? I believe the gospel. Scripture says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, right, that He's in charge and not us, and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, that we could be saved, that whoever would call upon His name, on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. You can pass from death to life. You can go from those that formerly walked in accordance to the ways of this world and chased the lusts of their flesh, uh, and you can be changed from the inside out 
That is the beauty of the gospel. It's not in what we do, but what Christ has already done. And I want to invite you this morning, whether you're watching online, whether you're gathered in this place, to trust Him for salvation. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, that I've been saved by His grace, but I've gotten my eyes off of Him. I've gotten my mind and my eyes on the things of this world. And I daily, I just need to declare even today and then every day that I need you, Jesus, and I want to live my life in a way that reflects the glory of gospel to those who are around me so that others that are neighbors and that God's placed in our workplaces and in schools and people around us that there might be a glorifying of our great and mighty God, not not any glory that goes to us, but that all glory would go to Him on that day of visitation. And on that, uh, that day, uh, that we would see those around us, that they would know Jesus, that they would not be hindered because of, our, because of our love for our flesh instead of our love for Him. Let's pray, and we're going to worship uh, together. Father, we're grateful for Your goodness. Lord, we're grateful for Your love for us. Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, I pray, Lord, that You would create a longing in us Lord, and that longing can only come from the Spirit of God living in us, Lord. And so I pray, God, that as people hear the good news of the gospel, Lord, that your Spirit would draw them, Lord, that they would uh, be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of, of, of His beloved Son, Lord, of, of the kingdom of Christ, Lord, and that, that in that transfer, Lord, that we would begin to be transformed, Lord. I pray that, God, you would remind us, Lord, that we have to be transferred in order to be transformed, and Lord, that we might begin to live and walk God, with a life that says, Lord, we've experienced your grace and your mercy, Lord. We look to the cross and we know that Jesus, uh, God, that, that you poured out all of your wrath on him, Lord, that, that Jesus was given what I deserved, Lord, so that in your marvelous grace, Lord, you could give me what Jesus deserves. And because of that mercy, Lord, I want to live for you, Lord. I don't want to live for the things of this world. God, I don't want to live and do anything I want, but Lord, I want to live and do anything you want, Lord. I want to live my life in a way that honors you, Lord, in a way that is excellent among those that are, that are around. Father, I pray, God, for uh, every person in this room, Lord. I pray, God, that you would allow us to leave different, Lord, that you would change us from the inside out, Lord, that we would worship you, Lord, in the majesty and glory of who you are. And God, that because of that, Lord, that it might cause us, Lord, to recognize the battle. First, the one within us, but then, God, the one that's in this world. And, Lord, that you might send your people out on mission for the glory of your name. Tallyho the fox from the world mission. The gospel is here to proclaim. And may your people in unity, God, may we give our lives to it. Father, we love you. We ask for you to do what only you can do in these next moments, Father. And we promise to praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.